0: This is Jim Lyon, you're listening to Viewpoint. And here at Viewpoint, for the last few weeks, we've been exploring some lessons you can learn about life at your local Starbucks. Now, you might think that's an odd program series theme, but actually, there's so much at Starbucks you can learn about life. And who better to explore that with us than our very own Kimberly Majeski? Thanks, Kimberly, for coming on today.
1: I mean I am sort of a Starbucks expert, I guess. <laughs> sort
0: of. Well who who more than you? Who Howard better? Schultz? I don't know. That's right. <laughs> because I know that you have spent some time in a Starbucks store. So have mm-hmm. I. We're fans. That's right. We know that everyone in our audience may not be a fan. Mm-hmm. You may think it's overpriced or inconvenient or it's driving the Local coffee shop out of business, all of those things uh, float about with people's ideas. But whatever your perspective or lens might be, everyone must acknowledge Starbucks has become a global phenomenon that has actually changed the way people do business and the way in which societies even function Mm -hmm. because of the way in which it's provided a third space, a place that's not home. It's not a place where you work. It's a place where you go, not just for coffee, but to hang out. And in all of that, there are some life lessons. Stay with us. As we're exploring the Starbucks phenomenon and some of those life lessons we can learn at our local Starbucks, Kimberly, I've been drawing from a book called It's Not About the Coffee. Mm -hmm. The subtitle is Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. The author's name is Howard Bahar. And Howard, if I can call him that, Was a member of the executive team at Starbucks for many years. He's now retired. He was the guy that was hired to help Starbucks expand beyond the United States. Everyone who knows the Starbucks story knows that it started as a one shop stop at the Pike Place Market in Seattle. It grew to be throughout the Seattle metro and then across the country. And when they wanted to move out of the U.S. into Canada, that was the next country in which they would establish a footprint. Howard Bahar came alongside to help steer that. Project and now Starbucks is a global mm-hmm. enterprise. Very few places you can go in the world where you won't run across a Starbucks. I've been in 65 countries. I'm trying to think is there one where I didn't see the signature green sign? <laughs> well, Howard has written this book, and his contention is having lived in the inner workings and helped build up the company, that one of its reasons for success, or maybe its greatest reason for success, is the way in which they put people first. And his book is about all these lessons about how you can benefit when you put people first. You don't put them first so you can benefit, but the inevitable outcome is you'll find yourself and your cause moving forward. Now, I'm certain there are people who have worked at Starbucks that might not (laughs) have experienced it that way. Maybe you've been a customer and not felt like you were put first. But in the main, Bahar's theory is if you put people first and he identifies many ways that can be done in the company that you will prosper. Well, one of the chapters, one of the things that he puts up front is accountability. And he Mm -hmm. talks about how accountability is so important, but accountability only comes in a sequence, that first you have to have an environment where people trust each other, and when they trust each other, they'll tell each other the truth. And when they tell each other the truth, then they can be held accountable for what they say and do in a way different from another environment where people don't trust each other. They're not really telling the truth. They're just shading the truth or half-truths, and then it's hard to hold them accountable because you don't really know what's been promised or produced. No, trust, then truth, and that will bring accountability. And he says that's so important to building the business and that that's how Starbucks has rolled.
1: I can see that because otherwise, nothing gets fixed. Nothing gets better if you're not in a safe place to sort of tell the truth about what's working or what's not, then no one at the top knows, then the system doesn't get changed, and so then that gets passed on to your customers.
0: And there's no accountability for getting things right. Now, you can see this, I think, in your ordinary Starbucks. So I know you've been to a Starbucks a time or two. Yes. Have you ever had an experience where what you ordered didn't come out the way you hoped for? Sure. What happened next?
1: You know, if it ever happens uh occasionally then you can just say you know what this has too much cream or i need a little more cream and they just fix it there's no i don't have to explain it i don't have to argue about it it's just let me take that right back and fix it for you, you but know? that's
0: not true everywhere <laughs> when <laughs> no. i do business in some places i get an eye roll or mm-hmm. i have to buy another one or there's some kind of tension yes but that's not what you've observed at starbucks they're no. willing to own their mistake. This is the key part. Yeah. There's a trust environment, yep. which makes it safe for them as employees to own the fact that it didn't meet your expectations. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And they're right. owning it. And that's going to hold them accountable because the next time they serve you that drink in a moment, the promise is we're going to make this better for you.
1: Right. We'll make it right. Yeah. And,
0: and so that trust, truth, and accountability then actually is experienced by you as a customer, which helps build the business. That's right. I don't even like coffee. I'm the anomaly. I'm the outlier, the oddball. But I love Starbucks because well, they've got a lot of chocolate going on there. Mm. And I'm a fan. So the chocolate-covered graham crackers or the hot chocolate they've made me don't have so many variables as the very complicated beverages my wife orders there because she's <laughs> she a connoisseur. Yes. And, you know, we grew up in Seattle. We were at Starbucks before you were born, Kimberly. Mm. And so she knows the whole vocabulary, the the shorthand from Seattle. And she gets up the counter and she wants a... Grande, skinny, two-shot, <laughs> vanilla, yes. vanilla, whatever, 15 adjectives. Yes. They always catch it. But sometimes it doesn't come out the way she wants. And I've observed what you have. I've never been in a moment where she handed it back and said, you know, this just isn't exactly right. Where mm-hmm. they didn't say, oh, we're so sorry. Let us redo that for you. No hassle Right. because it's a trusted environment. Those employees couldn't do that if they feared the management coming down on them saying, you, right. you're wasting our product. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't just give in to the customer. They couldn't own the truth if it weren't a safe environment where they trusted that by owning the truth, our customer is unhappy. Mm-hmm. We're going to be held accountable for a better outcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a part of the culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And have you ever been, I think your wife is one of these people, but how they, uh, if they wanted a certain temperature, they want the coffee a certain temperature, and they know behind the counter that this is the temperature you want it. And if it's not that temperature, they'll just take it right back and make sure it's for these crazy folks who want it extra hot to burn their tongue. They even fix that for you. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) It's about accountability based on truth and trust. Yeah. Well, no surprise here that Starbucks didn't invent this continuum. (laughs) They're not the ones who first uncovered this reality that in human relationships, if you want to have life and have life that's fulfilling, you have to be able to buy into this trust and truth and accountability formula. And who models that best? It's not Starbucks, it's Jesus.
2: we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he and together we
0: As you're listening to us talk about Starbucks today and now about Jesus, you may have a comment or a thought, maybe even a prayer request you want to share, and we want you to know that we're always glad to hear from you because we want to listen to your voice. Our toll free number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, write this down, is 1 800 757 View. That's 1 800 757 8439. Kimberly, as uh, we've been thinking about this accountability idea and how important that is and how it's grounded in the fact that we have to own the truth about ourselves. We have to own the truth about the reality. You can't be accountable to a a fantasy or something that doesn't exist. We have to be honest and authentic. And that's best borne out in an environment where there's trust, that's been proved true and and demonstrated over time. It's been earned Mm -hmm. because we've been heard, we've been cared for, we've been loved, we know we have been, and vice versa. We have reciprocated in the same way. So we have a trusted environment where the truth can be disclosed, Mm -hmm. and that becomes the benchmark of accountability. Jesus did that better than anyone who's ever lived. And he's calling us to do the same. Sometimes when I go to Starbucks, I think about Jesus dropping by. Here's why. (laughs) Because Jesus loved to be where people are. Yes, And you know what? People are always at Starbucks. It's very rare that I go to a Starbucks, maybe just before closing time, where nobody else is in the store. There's always somebody there. There's often many people there, crowded around tables. They're talking, reading, listening. And I think Jesus loved to be where people are. And the other thing about Starbucks is it's a place where people think and talk. So Jesus would surely be drawn into that mix. Because think about Jesus in a Starbucks store, just hanging out.
1: Of course. I mean, I
0: want to be at the table. Yeah. He's... But... I'm at the table while he's listening to someone else tell their story before he gives some feedback. I'm saying that Jesus, I think, could find a very comfortable space at Starbucks. In the story of Jesus' life here on earth, he comes to a night that's very, very pivotal. It's the night before he's going to be crucified. He's going to be nailed to a cross, and he's going to be buried dead. Now, we believe that he comes to life again, but this whole dramatic sequence of events, the trial, the scourging, the beating, the humiliation, the carrying of the cross, the nailing to the cross, death itself, all of this has to be weighing heavy on his heart Mm -hmm. as he gathers his friends together. I'm wondering, is it possible if it was in the 21st century he'd have gathered them at a Starbucks? I know it's a holiday meal, it was the Passover, but still... It seems so natural for Jesus to meet up with his friends at a place where they're accustomed to going, Uh and there he's going to talk to them. He actually tells us in the narrative of the story, the history of this Last Supper. He says, I've longed to be with you. I have so much I want to tell you. And he begins to unpack it. John chapter 14 gives us a portion of what he shared, and it seems to me it is all about trust, truth, and accountability. What does it say? John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1.
1: Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied.
0: Picking it up in verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We often hear these words Times of grief, perhaps at a graveside service or something, you know. Don't be troubled. Uh, I have a place prepared for you in mm-hmm. my father's house. are many mansions, mm-hmm. says another translation. I mean, it's very comforting language. No, yeah. has a kind of a soft, massaging tone, doesn't mm-hmm. it? But honestly, as I've been rereading this in the light of accountability and just a fresh view of John's gospel, I'm struck by how nakedly raw this is. Yeah, this has to be one of the hardest conversations ever had. Yeah. And he's telling them the truth about his exit. He's disclosing his true sense of self. He's telling the disciples things that are hard for them to understand, and yet they must hear them. I know There's so much tension in the room. He's burdened by so much that is yet to be. He has so much responsibility weighing on his shoulders. The disciples are anxious. They can feel the tension, but they don't get it all. I mean, this conversation could only be undertaken in an environment of absolute trust.
1: Yeah. Isn't that how it opens up? It is how it opens up. You know, they've just come from the scene of the feet washing and the meal together. They've talked about what it means to love one another. Jesus has served them. Judas has already gone out into the night. You know, the... The text says in the chapters before, the hour had come. And so you feel all this. Of course, we know, knowing the story and how it ends, you, you can feel the tension and the emotion of what Jesus wants to convey to them, but they're not ready yet to hear. But he only has so much more, so much time left, you know, to make sure that they understand these important tenets and yeah he starts that whole experience with a meal and with demonstrating his love to them building this their entire relationship of trust and now he has to speak truth
0: and in this passage he's he just puts it on the table trust in god Mm -hmm. and trust also in me Mm -hmm. what i'm going to give you is truth so heavy that you have to trust me Mm -hmm. in fact trust in god trust also in me and then he makes the case I am the Father. (laughs) The Father's in me. When you see me, you see the Father. This shouldn't be a a hard step for you, trusting in God and trusting in me. And when you trust me, you're trusting God and vice versa. And as he brings that trust into the room, and they they have it. I mean, it's there. Now he tells them the truth. Mm. And the truth is, I'm going away. Yeah. I don't want to leave you, I, I, but I need to leave you because if I don't leave you, he goes on to explain later that the Holy Spirit can't come and there are a lot of things that need to take place and I need to move on uh, in this journey. But I'm telling you the truth. I'm not pretending. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's going to be rough.
1: I know. It's going to get really, really hard in the coming hours. And just believe me. Believe what I've said to you. Did you know, Jim, in the Gospel of John, we're told in in the later chapters that this was written down so that people would literally, so they would believe. And I think something like 98 times the word pisteo is said is written, believe.
0: That's the Greek the, word. The
1: Greek word Paseo for believe is said 98 times in the Gospel of John.
0: Because this is the challenge. I'm telling you the truth. Yes. And the truth is, if you will believe this, if you'll make that choice, the volitional choice, the cognitive decision, I am going to choose to believe you, Jesus. I trust you.
1: I trust then,
0: you. Then... These will be the outcomes. You'll yes. be able to do great things like I do. Yeah. You'll be able to make this world a better place. You'll be able to bring life like I do. You'll be able to follow in my footsteps and see amazing things. You'll be able to ask me for things and I'm going to do them for you. That's right. But you have to believe. And so we have the trust and the truth and now he's holding himself accountable yes, by his you words. Do it. I'm yeah. telling this to you. Yes. You make the decision to to obey me and to believe me mm-hmm. and then You can hold me accountable to what I'm telling you. I mean, this is the stuff of real life. This is where relationships flourish. This Mm -hmm. is where good things can take place. This is where the world can be changed. This is where you will find life and life abundantly. Mm. When you're with Jesus in a trusted relationship, hearing his truth, choosing to believe it, and now you can find the accountability. And you can hold yourself accountable. You have to own your own stuff. To get to that trust with Jesus and that truth with Jesus and that accountability with Jesus, you have to start by owning your own stuff. You have to be honest with yourself. Mm. And when you're honest with yourself and you realize, I'm not good enough. I've made some fumbles myself. When you stop blaming the world around you, just say, I have made my own mess ups enough Mm -hmm. to not be worthy, but Jesus has invited me into his space anyway. He loves me anyway. When you're able to own your stuff and embrace that truth, you'll understand the trust and the accountability. You don't have to go to Starbucks to discover this, although (laughs) there's just a little bit on the surface right there uh, when you get a drink that they'll remake for you because they're owning their stuff. Can you own your stuff today with Jesus? And as you're sitting in a Starbucks store with him right now, let's say, even figuratively, he's right by your side. He's right here wanting to talk to you. He wants to tell you the truth about who he is, what he can do, and what you must do about it. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ the Lord and that when we see him, we see you. We are so thankful we can see him in this passage from John's Gospel. And we understand his truth. We trust him, Lord. We're making a decision that we can trust him because he has loved us before we deserve to be loved. We want to own our stuff, Lord. We want to admit that we are flawed And we have made many mistakes. We have not always been our best. Sometimes we've even wounded others, Lord, and we're so ashamed. We own it. We want to have a chance to do over. We we want to have a new day. We want to be born again, made fresh and new. And we trust you, Jesus, as you have given us your truth to remake us and renew us and to breathe into us new life. And Lord, we want to be held accountable to our own truth our truth of ownership of our failure, and to the truth of your grace. And we want to be accountable, Lord, to what you call us to be. And we want to hold you accountable, Lord, to the words you've promised. We're thankful for this relationship that you've offered us. We receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: there's more. How so? Well, give us a call. We want to talk to you. You may want to just share your thoughts, or maybe you just want to ask some questions. Maybe you'd like us to pray with you some more. Whatever's on your heart, give us a call. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, a live voice. We're right by the phone. Please give us a call. But, Kimberly, if someone wanted to check us out online first, where would they go?
1: Yeah, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org, and you can send us a message there, and we'll respond.
0: You can read about the ministry or email us. But CBH, those letters stand for Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Or at the last, if you prefer, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Kimberly, I'm always glad to see you in the studio or at Starbucks.
1: Yes, I'll take it anytime.
0: (laughs) And we're so glad you're alongside, and we thank you for listening today to our broadcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to try and help you see your world from heaven's view even at your local starbucks store for all of us at the viewpoint team for all of us at church of god ministries which is the host of our broadcast this is jim lyon stay tuned